Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 350. I am your host, Blaine Pudve, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. I can't believe we made it to 350. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Treg Wilson. Hello. And a special guest, Mark Scheig of the Hockey Writers, who covers the Columbus Blue Jackets. Welcome to the show, Mark. Well, thank you. I feel honored that it's show number 350 and I get to join you guys. We're just finally happy to have you here. We've been waiting and waiting. I mean, you're a busy guy. Very busy guy, but always make time for you guys. We, we bump Craig Button so you can come on, oh, just man. so you know. That's true. <laughs> so, much, so much to live up to now. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to have to do it's. We're going to have to do the show as if it's a bunch of wrestlers. Really go over the top. Over the top rope. Okay, I think I'm ready now. Let's go. All right, so... The topics of today's show are essentially the draft. The Canadians are completely eliminated and they had no hope of making the playoffs. They got fifth overall. And now everybody is wrestling on social media about who the Canadians are going to get. Well, before the Habs even get to the podium, there's a couple teams ahead of them. And one of them is the Columbus Blue Jackets. And that team has a very big hand in what the Canadians are going to do. The, uh, the consensus is the three names available will be Matt Bay-Mitchkov, uh, Will Smith, and Leo Carlson. So whoever's left of those three are what the Canadians are going to likely pick. So, Mark, we brought you on. We wanted to get the point of view of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm. So I just wanted to start it off with a question on Kekalainen. It's his 10th yeah. year with Columbus. Is he going to buck the trend and actually pick the Russian star or is he going to go a different direction? Well, I mean, based on the comments of Kekalainen actually today on local radio in Columbus and John Davidson in a separate interview on local radio in Columbus and what they've told us on the record. And I'm going to put this as bluntly as possible because they did the same thing. The Columbus Blue Jackets are not expected to take Madve Mishkov. We're going to just throw that right out there right now. John Davidson's quote, and I'm not exactly looking at it right now, but it was, we're going to take a center. I'm telling you, we're going to take a center. And then that, that was end of quote. And any Blue Jackets fan knows it's a sore spot. Always has been. They've really never had a true, true number one center. That's why there's a lot of disappointment in the way that they fell from two to three because that kind of bumped them out of the Bedard and the possibly Adam Fantilli situation. So, yeah, to buck the trend, I, I don't think they're going to look at Mishkov at all, not based on the public comments. They're, they basically guaranteed on the record that they're going to leave Nashville with a center the question is which one and Davidson even went as far as saying that they think they know who they're favoring at this point, 
but said that they still had to do evaluation. You know, Leo Carlson's playing at the World Championship. Um, they have the NHL Combine coming up in Buffalo next month. They just had their amateur scouting meeting. So from a Blue Jackets standpoint, we think the decision is going to be between Leo Carlson and Will Smith. But I'll just throw a bonus out there. Because sometimes Kekalina might, you know, we picked Pierre-Luc Dubois a couple of years ago when it wasn't expected. So there could be a curveball there. Do they pick a guy like Dvorsky? Um, is it maybe do they like somebody like that as a little bit of a surprise? That would be shocking, but you can never rule it out with him. But if they're leaving with the center, they're going to look at all the top centers and see who they like the most. But it does seem like it's going to be between Carlson and Smith at this point. And literally, it feels like a coin flip, right? Well, with those two, uh, Carlson's been known to switch back and forth. Are they looking more towards homegrown talent at this point? I mean, it is the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's a very patriotic name and look. Would they go for the American over the Swede? They'll go for what they feel is the best available player. Um, that's always been their MO. Now that's going to be put to the test because, you know, at least in my opinion, I think Mishkov is the higher talent of everybody, but he's a winger and he's also not coming over for a couple of years because of his, because of his contract. So th- then he kind of qualified that at least Kekalainen has in the, in the past by saying, if there's somebody that's really close on their list, like if there's a couple of names that they're considering, then they'll look at positional. So it does seem as though that the two centers are going to rise up as a result of that. They believe in the draft. They believe in just whoever is going to help them now and in the future. It doesn't matter what nationality. If, if it's someone from Finland, great. If it's someone from Sweden, fine. If it's someone from the United States, fine. It doesn't matter to them. They're, they meet with all their scouts. They do what every other team does, and they come up with who they feel like is their best available player. And at this point, based on what we know on what is out there in the public, we think it's Carlson, we think it's Smith, and then they have to make a decision on which player do they feel like has the higher upside, which one's going to fit on the team better. And they have a lot of questions that they have to answer. It seems like that they're kind of set, but you know, that's going to be the intrigue. Is that's going to be the entire talk between now and then is what they do, and then the domino effect after that. Because we believe that, of course, Bedard is going to go to Chicago. It would be an absolute upset if Fantilli does not go to Anaheim. I guess there was a little bit of a school of thought that they, you know, would they look at Mishkov? Would they even look at, at Leo Carlson? Do they think that Carlson is better? Because there's some that even that have Carlson real close to Fantilli. Now, there's going to, that world championship could play a role in that. So, you know, if the Ducks decide Carlson, then Blue Jackets will race to the podium in Nashville and take Fantilli. But yeah, they believe in homegrown talent at the end of the day. And this is something they're going to get a really good player to add to one of the best prospect pools in the league. So they're going to leave happy no matter what, despite how the lottery went. Do you think they might, uh, might take a risk at that third overall pick, you know, go with the uh, just spitballing here, but actually do lean towards Mitchkov because they have another first round pick where they can probably get another center? No, I don't think they will. Um, I know there's a school of thought about the number of Russians on the Blue Jackets already. They have Dmitry Voronkov that just signed his ELC coming over from the KHL is going to play center ice for them, but in the bottom six. Um, they have Kirill Marchenko already. They have Igor Chinikov already, who are both expected to be important players down the line. 
we actually asked Marchenko about Mishkov at the end of season and, and just real funny Marchenko kind of speech. He said, good score, like goal score. Like they, they played together. So there's a familiarity there, but given the need, the drastic need for center, I, I would actually put it at 0% chance that they take Mishkov. If center wasn't as big of a need, then you have to have the discussion because you're talking about a generational talent and, if they take a center, they're going to pass on a what many consider to be a generational talent in Mishkov. You know, a couple of years from now, he's being equated to a Nikita Kucherov. And how many teams would want somebody like that? Literally everybody. But when you have a situation like the Blue Jackets, everything going on in Russia too, you can't forget there's still a war going on. So it, I, I can't see them do it. I mean... Yeah, I actually wrote about it the other day that we have to consider it, but based on the recent comments, I, I just don't see it. They're putting it out there, and the need is too glaring for center. Do you think between Carl? Sorry, Blaine, if I cut you off. Do you think no, between no, being Carlson and Smith, they would want to go with someone that might be a little closer to joining the NHL, or do you think they're willing to be patient with Will Smith that's, if they go Will Smith way? That's the question, and that, that's a great question because, yes, so Carlson checks all the boxes. He's got the size. He's got the good skating. He can play 200-foot game. There's some out in the scouting industry that believe that he can eventually be a cornerstone piece. You know, like as I mentioned earlier, he played both wing and center. The youngest player ever from Sweden to play in the World Championships for them. That's just saying a lot. He lined up as their top center um, in Friday's game against Germany. So, now that's it's a lot of respect for somebody that they think, you know, can do it so if the blue jackets believe that he's a cornerstone piece you take that pick and you run to the podium but what's going to make it a coin flip is will smith listen he put up numbers better than austin matthews did better than jack hughes did and he's got a little bit of a more elite offensive upside smaller player hasn't played against men like carlson has so that's where the decision is going to be do you take the guy that could theoretically make a run at the NHL next year, if not next year, the season after that? Or do you take the guy in Smith that, you know, he's going to go to college for a year, maybe two years, depending on how his development goes at Boston College, and do you go for that particular upside? That's what they have to weigh. They have to weigh which of the two is going to have a better career. If I was the one picking right now, based on just what I know and I've seen both, they're both great players. I think they're both going to be wonderful players for a long time. I would still, at least right now, lean on Leo Carlson just because I think he just checks more of the boxes and what Columbus is looking for. Someone with size, someone with speed, someone that could be a potential dominant number one center. Just gets two slightly different players there. I just think that that ultimately favors Carlson, but the elite upside of Smith is going to make it a discussion. And what are the chances of Columbus trading that third overall pick? Uh, less than zero. They're not going to trade that. <laughs> uh, un unless Connor McDavid is offered to them, unless absolutely, unless they can package it to go up to number two, maybe to take Fantilli. I don't think Anaheim's interested in that. So yeah, that, I, that's not going to be an option at three. I'm just asking because there's rumors going around that Montreal might be looking to trade up, but I don't see them having the assets besides that number five so, pick so to, much. Uh, yep. to trade up. So could you maybe I, here's a hypothetical for Montreal 
could you talk to the Sharks? You know, maybe are there teams yeah. below Montreal that's trying to trade up the number four? Let's say that one of the centers falls down and they want to grab a center. Does that force Montreal to talk to San Jose to see if they can swap picks to prevent someone else from jumping up? Just a thought. It'll, it'll obviously depend on the ask from uh, from Greer. That's for sure. Yeah. He's a, he's a new GM. He's going to want to make a uh, he's going to want to make an impact himself. Exactly. So, yeah. quick question about the Jackets. Um, going into next season, they're pretty much going to be the same team on paper. There's a, there's a lot of guys that uh, there's not a lot of guys that they're resigning. It's literally going to be almost the same team on paper. Going to get um, Warinsky back, etc. Um, yeah. Do you think this puts added pressure? on the general manager to make a kind of a home run pick, knowing that they're likely not going to be picking in the top three for a while again. Well, uh, that's the thing that they, he came out and said, Kekalainen came out and said, we're sick of missing the playoffs. And when you have as far to go as the blue jackets do from 31st place up to a playoff spot, they have a long, long way to go. And you make a good point about most of the roster assigned. They already have 21 players under contract next season. Yeah. But they still have around 17 million in cap hit, give or take, with whatever cap friendly was saying there. This isn't the team that we're going to see at the beginning of next year, though. They there are going, it's not a matter of if they make moves, it's going to be a matter of how many moves they make and how big they are. Right. There's already Kevin Hayes rumors coming out of Philadelphia. That trade wouldn't take much because Hayes has a bunch of term left and a bunch in seven million dollars. That's not going to cost a first round pick. The Blue Jackets already opened to moving their second first round pick for help um, as a top four left defenseman, especially. And that's filling in the Gavrikov void from the trade to the Kings. Um, they have to get their goaltending in order. That was absolutely atrocious. Their defense was absolutely atrocious. But again, half their lineup was AHL regulars. So right. not really much you can expect from that. Orchek is now traded his contract. He might not play again because of a concussion. Um but you look at the Blue Jackets as an overall whole, there's still a lot of reason to be excited. Where, where the gap is, though, is they have to get the talent pool and the prospect pool that they have, which is good, and they have to turn it into something. Right. That's that's going to be Kekalainen's goal here. So they're going to add that top three player. They're going to possibly add somebody. It's a deep enough draft that they could very easily keep the pick if a guy slips down enough. And then they also have the second pick in the second round. So that's three of the first 34 picks in this draft and a pretty kind of top heavy draft where they can get some impact players there should they choose to. Right. But they have to remake their center depth. And that's already started. Ronkov's on the way in. Alexander Texier is back from his stint over when he left the team. So he can play wing or center. Gaudreau's back. Line is back. Jenner is back. Wonder about Jack Rosovic. That's that's an interesting situation in itself to see if there's even room on the roster for him. Marshenko, Kent Johnson. So it seems like the wingers are set. It seems like part of the center depth is set. But if they don't get a guy that can jump in next year into the top six, then you're looking at the trade market. That's why the Kevin Hayes is out there and amongst other things. So. Yeah, there's going to be moves, though, uh, the, the, even though there's a lot of guys already coming back. Yeah, if they want the playoffs, they have to be aggressive. They're, they're just way too far behind. They have too much ground to make up. Um, so it's going to be interesting. So it's safe to say that beginning of last season or this season, 
Columbus did not see themselves in a bo as a bottom five team, correct? Oh, no, no. The injury situation yeah. and almost 600-man games lost. They lost Wierenski in November. That really derailed them. Um, Leinig, who's in and out of the lineup, even Gaudreau and his Ironman streak ended. And there was not one Blue Jacket that played 82 games. Everybody was impacted in one way or another. So it was just nuts. But Brad Larson got fired, we think, because of some of the culture inside of the room. Like we knew it wasn't his fault that the injuries happened. He didn't have a full roster, but he was still being evaluated on what, how guys were handling things and you know, that, that winning culture that everybody talks about. Well, there just wasn't much winning and they ultimately decided that they had to absolutely move on from him. So they still don't have a coach. You know, we're, we're here approaching the middle of May and like a couple other teams, they're without a head coach. So that's going to be an important hire. They have to get a goalie coach for Merzlikens. That's going to be an important hire. Heckelin's on the hot seat here. This is now the second time that he's made a coaching change due to firing. Tortorella was a mutual agreement, so we don't necessarily count that one. But he has to get this one right. If he doesn't get this one right, then we could be starting to look at the end of his tenure um, here with the Blue Jackets. But we'll see. A lot has to play itself out. Can you see that being a retread or can you see that being someone within the organization? It, it could be, you know, it could be someone in the organization. I know Larson was last time and that didn't work out, but there's a guy by the name of Pascal Vincent. That's a very popular name out there that a lot of teams seem to think that he's eventually going to be a head coach. It would not surprise me that they interview him. Um, but I do think that there's going to be some retreads. I know, I know they've had interviews. I, I don't know who's been a part of that yet. They're down to a short list. I would guess somebody like Peter Laviolette's in that list. Now that the Devils are out, I would I'd be really curious to see if they give Andrew Brunette a call to see if they can get him to come over. But I think they have to have someone with experience because this is such a young team that right. needs to develop, that needs to be taught what life is like in the National Hockey League. So you know, I understand the argument about retreads and stuff, but you hope that some of those coaches have learned something over time to – make themselves better for the next opportunity to be more successful. Hopefully they do that. You know, we'll see where it goes. Um, I know they have, they want to make a decision soon. They, and they kind of reiterate that on the radio today that they're down to a short list and they want to get this done sooner rather than later. Now you a little bit earlier mentioned that Kekalainen is on a hot seat. Yep. Do you think that's going to force his hand to make a move to bolster the lineup now? I think it will, you know, that the, the, the standard for them is the playoffs every year, whether yeah. they get there or not is a whole different story, but it was a bad year for everybody. That organization from top to bottom had to have been embarrassed with the way that they played. Like I even tweeted, what the hell are we watching out here? Like it looked like midget hockey at times. Like there was no defense being played. It just seemed like guys checked in and out whenever they wanted. They're just, something just seemed very, very off. And, you know, that that reflects top to bottom. Like you have to ask questions of everybody, you know, from general manager, to president, to all the players, to all the coaches. You know, it doesn't matter. They had to go top to bottom with this. They decided that Larson and Manny Legacy were the ones that they had to get rid of. He, he's, he's definitely feeling pressure. He has to do something. Fans are quite sick of all the promises, oh, you know, the Blue Jackets, we're going to get to the playoffs. The only thing that matters is the Stanley Cup. 
they've made it to the second round of the playoffs once, and they've yet to win a second round series ever. So 10 years in, you know, he's gotten some good praise for some of his drafts, but he's missed two. And some of his decision-making along the line here too, that's been questionable. So, you know, it, it feels like that this could be a last chance for him. Certainly not too late, but, you know, the eyes of the hockey world are now squarely on him because he made the move. Now he's got to own it. Now on that, that twenty, that twenty third overall pick, well, where it sits right now, the, so the second first round pick that Columbus holds, yep. if he were to move that, would he be targeting a defenseman, uh, scoring? Like, what would he be really looking for Top if he 4D. were to move that? Absolutely, uh, a lefty, lefty. Yeah. If it's a trade, yep. I think there's some free agent options that I, that are kind of curious out there. Like the Devils just got eliminated. There's a couple guys like Ryan Graves, I think, is under contract. Damon Severson is probably not. I think he's a pending UFA. Those would be a couple guys that I would certainly take a look at. But ever since Gavrikov left, you have Wierenski on the left side. He's your clear-cut number one defenseman. There's Steven some question about who's Wierenski's partner going to be on the right side. Is it going to be Adam Boquist? Is it going to be someone like Andrew Peake? Is it going to be someone like Nick Blankenberg? Really don't know. They think camp is going to kind of determine a lot of that. David Yurchek might be ready for the NHL, and he's thought of as the kind of the number one right D of the future. Um, had a great year in the American Hockey League last year. I think he'll get every opportunity to be in that role. But, you know, Jake Bean in and out of the lineup had a huge injury last year. They thought maybe they can get something from him on the left side of D. Hasn't been healthy enough to do that. So top four, second pair, left side. It would be absolutely stunning if they don't address that. They're on the record as saying that they'll use that pick. It's available and, you know, to be able to find that top four left-handed D. Like they're going to go, they're going to be aggressive with that thing. So if there's someone that wants to get back into the first round, maybe there's someone that doesn't have a first round pick at all. Bidding's open. That pick's for sale. So for instance, a veteran Stanley Cup champion defenseman who plays a mobile yet physical game. And then depending on who you're talking about, depending on what the rest of the story is, that could sound interesting. You talk about Joel Edmondson. Yes. Mm. Oh, I was going to say it rhymes <laughs> with Redmondson, but yeah. Mm. Well, uh, I had to tie it in. They're, they're going to look at all options. They have, they have to get, like I said earlier, they're young. They need a veteran presence. They need someone that's going to be able to kind of smooth things over. So yeah, we'll now. Never say never. Um, I don't know about that name in particular, but they'll look at all the options. I'll tell you what. We'll give you Savard and Edmondson for both your first oh. round picks. Oh, yeah. Now, homecoming <laughs> for Savard. Eh? What a deal. Um, what a steal. And what was the keck line? Oh, yeah. If someone tries to call him, click. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the delivery guy saying that the pizza's at the door, he ain't answering. That's exactly right. And that's if he even likes pizza too, but I'm sure he does. <laughs> well, I mean, who yeah. doesn't? Well, those that can't have gluten. There's there's ways. There's ways. There are ways. There are ways. But I know I know people that don't like pizza, and I'm like, what's wrong with them? Well, speaking of what's wrong, Matt, you had a question about someone who's had some issues about what's wrong with him. Yeah. Um you cover the jackets. I want to know with all the rumors swirling around 
Pierre-Luc Dubois possibly coming to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, yeah. You you know all about this guy. Just um, I'm wondering maybe your uh, your thoughts on him since uh, he came over from uh, with the Screaming Eagles, right? Yes, yeah. exactly. I mean, what I was at the draft in Buffalo when that pick was announced, and you could I can still hear the audible woes in the crowd when that pick was announced. It was just the most unbelievable experience in the moment that I've ever been a part of just the shock value. But Columbus at that point was still looking for a number one center and they believed Pierre-Luc Dubois was the answer number one center. And for a while it looked okay. I mean, they, he was involved in the um, upset against Tampa. He was involved in beating Toronto in the bubble in the pre-playoff. Who does good. Toronto in the Next first year round. comes up. He, quit. <laughs> he literally yeah. quit on the team. And that's yes. the prevailing memory. That game against Tampa, when he went in the corner and just literally quit, Tortorella benched him. It was an embarrassing moment, and that's when the trade came down for Line A and Roslovic, and then Dubois going up. Dubois is interesting. I obviously got to know him, got to interview him, very, very personal. Someone that I enjoy interviewing. So in that sense, on a personal level, he's a good guy. I am just not sure about the approach he took because if that's if his ultimate end goal is to get to the Montreal Canadiens, now listen, you know, if he's from around there, it's a dream of his, you know, bless him. He can, you know, try to do that. I just feel like that he could have handled his situation better because eventually he has a chance to be an unrestricted free agent when the time comes and he can just say, look, I'm going to eventually at that time go and join the Montreal Canadiens. And now, you know, he's trying to possibly get there you know, a little bit sooner, you know, depending on the way it goes. I'll give him credit. You know, even though everything came out, he still was an important part of the Jets lineup and still performed as best he could. There wasn't like a quitting situation like there was in Columbus. We still don't know to this day what it was. He admitted it wasn't Tortorella. Um, I'm not going to speculate on that because he never went into reasons why, but you know, he knows he's always kept that to himself. There was something that bothered him and he, he couldn't handle Columbus and you know that's his prerogative, you know, don't necessarily agree with what he did, but it's still a decision they ultimately made. But if he ends up on Montreal and he has his focus in the right place, that's a monster piece. Cause this, you're talking about a one C that can physically dominate and can literally take over a game when he wants to take over a game, if he's able to consistently do that, that would elevate Montreal to a different level. You add him to the likes, you know, obviously you guys know who your core is there. That's a huge piece to be able to add to that. So if you have to give stuff up, and that's ultimately going to be the question here is just what do you have to give up and how it all will work out. But you know, if you do land him and he's in a good space, that's that's a huge upgrade. The good space is the key. Uh, I think a lot of Montreal fans are, are afraid of Druin 2.0. Mm-hmm. Although I'm a bit of a Druin defender. I don't think yep. Druin, I think Druin's expectations were just too high. Not the fact that he was a lazy player. Druin was who he was. Yep. And I think fans just had a higher expectation for him than what he could fulfill. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, a lot of people don't agree with that, but. Uh, but I think that's what the fan, a lot of fans are afraid of when it comes to Dubois. I look yeah. at Dubois and I say, if he wants to play here, if this is where he wants to be, then 
why would he not put every effort in to be the best player he can be 100%. on the team that's, that he wants to be on? That's his heart. So, that's he, he would give it. That's his dream. He's going to do it. Yep. So that's the way I look at it. And I'm on the fence on whether they should trade for him or wait for him. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm not the GM. I'm not Ken Hughes. Ken Hughes to me seems like a pretty smart uh, GM so far. Uh, I don't think he's going to make a move that he thinks is going to uh, right uh, put the team behind the eight ball. So yeah, he's not going to go out and just randomly do it just because Dubois wants it to happen. He's going to look at the best interests of the Montreal Canadiens and handle it that way. And if the opportunity does come up, he'll certainly investigate that. Yeah. I, I think he's done a very nice job in the early going of trying to establish what he wants to do, uh, and I think that would be off course for him if he tried to force an issue. He just wants to draft every kid that plays in Boston College. That's all he really wants to do. <laughs> oh, Boston so University. Will Smith then, eh? Is that Will Smith, <laughs> Leonard. He's gonna he's gonna draft them all. Yeah. <laughs> that whole line. What a team that's gonna be. Hmm. That'll be actually fun Boston. Yeah. Boston College is gonna be probably one of the best NCAA teams in the league or in in the United States. Just that line alone is gonna dominate. Definitely. Gonna be fun. Matt, anything else on that? I got nothing. That was that was great. That was fantastic. I, it's nice to hear. It's nice to hear from someone outside of uh, outside of Habsland when it comes to a, when it comes to a player like that. Yeah, Mark, you got to realize in Habsland, you either hate the player or you love the player. There's no in between. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's no gray area. There's, oh, there's I... no gray either. You either hate them or you love them. Yep. Love the passion, guys. It's, PK you know... Subban, Max Domi, Jonathan Drouin. Pierre-Luc Dubois doesn't even play for them. <laughs> but I guess they, is not even hockey. drafted yet. But I gotta say, Mark, I do I do agree with you. I really do. And um the fact that uh he didn't give up on Winnipeg and he and he still played hard. He was a he was a performer in the playoffs. And um you gotta hope that if it does play if it does play out, from really what I'm hoping for is that Dubois kind of forces the forces their hand and Montreal gets him for a cheaper price than what he actually is worth. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like everything, you know, what, the cost factor. Yep. Right. And if not, you get him as a UFA the next season. Yep. Exactly or, right. Or you offer sheet him. Oh, well, speaking <laughs> of offer sheets, hello. <laughs> that would be a bold move. No. Because Winnipeg, I don't think Winnipeg has much cap space. I don't think so either. But they're, 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 they're that's another team that's going to be uh, a whole lot of moves going their way with, with, uh, Knowing that they're bringing their coach back after the way he spoke afterwards, and uh, which was well deserved to the players, but uh, yeah, that, that core is going to get shaken up as well. Well, Blake Wheeler won't be back. No. Mm-hmm. Owl. Now, Mark, you also cover the Erie Otters and the OHL, and yes. there's been a lo- there's been a lot of talk recently, uh, especially in the French media. Uh, about some scouts in Ontario stating that Beck is going to be a better pro than Wright. Is there mm. anything you've seen in the last couple of years that could back that up? Ooh, that's a great question about Beck. Um, I'm a huge fan of Beck. I remember being at the Combine last year. I talked to both Beck and Del Bell Blues together, and they were both tremendous. Like You could tell. Like there's a special player there. And as soon as Montreal grabbed them, like, you know, they're, they're we're going to hear about this guy for a long time. 
I personally hadn't heard the comparison that he could be up there with Wright. I still would prefer Wright in the long run, but there's a player there. And I'll back. I mean, a Montreal fan should absolutely be excited. Just the way that he can take over a game, the skill that he's got. I mean, there was a reason why he was trusted in Mississauga before he ultimately was traded in the OHL. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a potential player there for sure, especially right down the middle. So it's... I don't know about the, the right thing, though. I, mean, I still think that Wright is ultimately – I think a lot of people forget that Wright lost a year with the um, with COVID, and a lot of guys did, but especially him, someone of his caliber. And so I think there's still a little bit of a learning curve and a catching up with him. And ultimately, it's – I think we're going to see Wright do really well, but Beck still, I think, can reach top six level, 100%. I really do believe that. It's going to be interesting then if Montreal does get Pierre-Luc Dubois and maybe a Will Smith, where's Beck going to fit in? If he has top six potential and you right now have three top six centers, I mean, I would I could see Dubois maybe moving to the wing. Hey, once... off. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, off. Oh, no, too many good players. Too what a many. shame. Will Smith well, moves to the left wing. Is, is it settled that Montreal's looking at a center? No, 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 it's not. No. Well, from what Ken Hughes says, he's looking at the best player available. And when it comes, he said, when it comes to the fifth pick, if Mitchkov's there and he can find, if there's someone there with more talent than Mitchkov, they're going to go with the player with more talent. You have to go with the player with more talent. This right. is a generational talent. I mean, look, you look at the video. You, we're talking about a guy that hasn't been in the league since Ovechkin in terms of the kind of talent you have. So it's a fascinating case study about how far he's going to fall, but there's a certain level of like reward risk. Where is the fine balance? And we're going to learn about a lot of teams and the way they value risk and reward. At what okay. point do you take a generational talent? You know, talent is eventually going to win out. Someone's going to greatly, greatly benefit by taking the back. Agreed. Now he's supposed the rumor is that I've heard out of Russia anyway, nothing confirmed other than his his agent in Russia saying Mitchkov will be at the draft in Nashville. So if he's there in person, and yeah. he has stated in the past that he wants to be in the NHL, yeah. I, I start to wonder just how much risk are they going to attribute to him? Well, let's see if he's at the Combine in Buffalo too. Um, I know that the... OHL, I know I'm going outside of the leagues here, but they're the import drafts coming up and they've already yep. banned the picking of Russians and Belarusians that have are not affiliated with the league yet for another, I think it's um, like within the last 24 months um, sort of situation. So, you know, we'll see. The, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams that are concerned, not only because of the Russian situation but also the fact that he is under contract till the 26-27 season. And if you're a team that ultimately has a situation where um, you know, they want to get a generational talent like that, at some point it's going to be too much to pass up. But it, could, it he come, could he come to the combine and then never go back? I suppose it's always possible, but if his goal was to be in the NHL, you would think 
that he would want to do everything that he can to prove how serious that he is. Mm. And I'm just thinking, like, could he could he come to North America and just never go back to Russia? How would that affect his contract? I wonder. Well, I mean, that's for for a star like that, though. That's the crazy part about it is some Russians that the KHL would be okay to allow to leave, even if it's an early contract termination. Somebody like Mishkov, who's as good as they are, there's going to be a massive fight with the current team that he's on. I mean, they're they're going to want him to honor that contract. There's always a way, I guess, if you want to try and break it early, but I would be really shocked. And the story that I've heard is that he's going to stay and work out his contract the whole time. Yeah. And I've heard that too. I'm just, I'm, just bringing up, I'm just bringing up Statsy brother, uh, hypothetical Cold War 1980s uh, type. <laughs> we, can, uh, we can slip him one of those stuff. fancy new Canadian passports. I do know of a. I do know of a, a very gray Canadian cruise ship that's going to yeah. be up there really soon. You can There's one there right ride. now. Actually, no, yeah. it's not there now. It's in uh, it's in uh, Italy, I think. Uh, hey, hey, OPSEC. It's all over Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's by the boot. True. It's by the boot. I mean, not <laughs> Italy, the boot. Not Italy, the country. I mean, little Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Fleet week. Um, all right. Uh, do you guys have anything else for Mark? Matt? Uh, no. Now that I know that Mitchkoff is probably going to be Montreal and we're going to have another one of those I hate everything Montreal does versus I don't hate everything <laughs> Montreal does uh, type scenarios. It's, it's I'm, I'm pretty good. What about handsome Matt? I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> and I... I don't have much of anything else. Mark, is there anything you wanted to uh, to pass on to our listeners? Yeah, well, Montreal fans, listen, I'm a huge fan of where you guys are going. Kent Hughes, I think, is a good leader. I love Marty St. Louis as a coach. He was kind of brought up under Tortorella, had spent a little bit of time in Columbus, actually, kind of learning off of torts. Um, I think the leadership's in a good place. I think you guys are going to add someone very exciting to your prospect pool, whether it be one of the centers, whether it be Mishkov. And we and we haven't even talked about some of the guys below them. There's some really good talent down below them too that absolutely deserve top ten consideration as well. So Montreal should be excited. They're heading in the right direction, and I think within a reasonable amount of time, you know, we can expect them to be back in a place where we're seeing them part of the playoff conversation. Stick with it; you're in a good spot. Well, that's that's uh, the most upbeat we've ever seen on this show. <laughs> Well, I, I, I believe in a lot. I love Suzuki. I got to cover him in the OHL. He's a really quality leader. It's the way that he's just embraced everything. I know there's Montreal certainly has some work to do. There's some moves that have to be made, but I trust the guys that are in charge there. I you know Ken Hughes is somebody that um, actually is pretty good friends with the Erie Otters general managers. So I've gotten to kind of talk to Dave Brown a little bit about what Hughes is about. Yeah, I, I believe in where you guys are going. I just think that the leadership is in a good spot. Well, Mark, I really want to thank you for coming on the show, uh, sharing your your insight on the, the breadth of information that you've provided on the Jackets, the draft, the OHL, some of the Canadians' prospects. Um, why don't you just let our listeners know where they can find you and your work? Yeah, so... 
no more blue check mark. I'm not paying Elon Musk or anything on that at all. But yeah, you can't trick. find me out there. I I'm not. No, I'm done. It yeah. went up to 15 bucks and I cut it off. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> it's not. I understand there's other things that you can get out of it, but no, not good enough. So you can I'll still be out there. It's at Mark underscore Shag. Also at the Hockey Writer. Get our draft guide. We'll get you prepared. Just a lot to talk about here. The next month, things are really going to start to pick up. So look forward to having you. Love to talk to you out, out in the social. Yeah. Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show. Uh, we can't wait to see you in Nashville. We'll catch yes. up there for sure. Yep. Uh, and for our listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this. I know this is something that some of the, our listeners have been asking for is a point of view from some of the other teams around the Canadians in that draft area. So Again, Mark, thank you very much for coming on. And for listeners, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.